0: Well, for those of you that don't know me, yes, I'm Adrian Castillo, I was an associate pastor here at Grace for about seven years before um, something happened, and I ended up Spanish, So now I'm the Spanish pastor here at Grace en Español, or Somos Grace, and uh, that's been going great and strong for over a year now. And every Sunday morning here at 9 a.m., we have have about 120 people that come uh, to hear the gospel and to to be together as a church at 9 a.m. And they're extremely excited about opening the building because that means we get to move the service time to about 10 a.m. Because 9 a.m. is really... (laughs) It's really early for us. So, and every time, each time that I get to speak here in, in English, it's, it's a blessing. Uh, English is my first language. I'm most comfortable with that. So, if I start speaking 100 miles an hour, please know it's just out of excitement of getting to do this in English. Uh, but, but God has been good and God is faithful. Amen? We could say that as a church. And today, when, um, today we're going to be studying the, the 15th chapter of the book of, of John, the, the gospel of John. And we're going to be talking about something that's very important for a church, for a believer, and most importantly for a church. Uh, Because when we are uh, grafted into the family of God, that is exactly what we're being grafted into, a family. Uh, When we come to trust Christ, we come to trust Christ and we are now a part of his body. We're now a part of, of the church, which is his bride. That he's preparing for that day to present to his father, as he says in Ephesians, without spots and completely blameless before him. Uh, but each and every one of us have a part in doing so and being a part of the sanctifying work of Christ within the church. Uh, we all have a part to play. And we know also that as the church moves forward and the gospel of Jesus Christ moves forward, we know that we have an enemy and Satan is going to try his hardest to shut the mouth of the gospel. That's just it. That's just it. That's his plan. And as a church, we have a responsibility, but our responsibility is not to fight the battle, it's to trust the one who will. And so today, we're going to be talking about abiding in Christ. How does that look in our life? How does abiding in Christ look in our life? Ultimately, what does abiding in Christ do and how can we participate in that? are the three things we're looking at and there's one catalog who had the story of two bears and they're standing in the forest and they're talking to one another and as they're talking to one another uh, they said that there was one bear that had uh, this birthmark and in his fur was cut out this bullseye and so as he's talking to his buddy his buddy looks over him and he says oh man (laughs) he says um Bummer of a birthmark, Hal. It's bear season. Let's see how you make it through that. And so in looking at that story and thinking about those two bears and looking at the bear that says bummer of a birthmark because he had the bullseye on him and it was hunting season, so is the same for the church when we're proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And we know that, again, the enemy's job is to come in to kill, destroy, to steal, to shut the mouth of the gospel, to cause division. And and there's something that we've seen uh, in our church, and that's growth and growth and growth and growth. And it's not going to stop now. It's going to continue. But we have to be prepared as a church, and we have to know what to do, and we have to be doing what we're supposed to be doing, and that's abiding in Christ Jesus. As we jump into this text, you're going to realize that the, the, the term abide or abides is going, to be, is going to be written 11 times through Jesus' teaching. 11 times. But he also is going to talk about bearing fruit, bearing more fruit, or bearing much fruit seven times. And so we know that in this part of John 15, Jesus is telling us something that's important because he's repeating it and repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. And he's telling us what is expected of us, and that is to bear much fruit. So let's go ahead and jump into John chapter 15, verses one through two, and let's, let's see what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, This, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So, in the introduction of this idea and teaching, Jesus is telling his disciples that that he is the true vine. Why the true vine? Well, because in the Old Testament, Israel was viewed as the vine, the vine of God. Israel had a job to do, and that job was to uh, pronounce God to the world, to be an example of God to the world, to bring the good of God to the world. But the problem was is that as time went on, Israel ended up falling in love with the other gods, Israel decided that they would disobey God and turn their backs on God to the point that they would reject their very Messiah and our very Messiah at the cross, who was Christ Jesus. But see, Jesus already knew this, and He said, and we, He knew that if if Israel wasn't going to be the one to testify about the goodness of God to the world, then He would come and testify about the goodness of God to the world. And we know the type of life Jesus lived. We know the type of obedience that he uh, lived out in his life. We know the type of love that Jesus talks to us about in the Gospels and what he shares with us. And this was the example Israel was supposed to be. They weren't. So now Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine by which the world will come to know whom the Father is. And that's how he starts this this, this, this teaching, and he says that the Father is the vine dresser. It's important because, church, at, at no time in, in our life and walk with God should we ever think that we're in control. We're not. God is always in control and sovereign. No matter what seems to happen in our life, he's still in control, and he's still at work. And here the work is, he said, he's cutting away the branches that don't abide in me, those aren't mine, he's cutting them away. That could be the example of Judas, who uh, it seems as though he was a disciple of Christ, but at the end of it all, we knew that he wasn't. Uh, Peter talks about uh, those who will fall away from the faith so that we would know who was really of the faith and who w- wasn't. And that's the truth within the American church today. There's a lot of people who proclaim to be believers that aren't really believers, but it's not our job to, 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 to cut those branches off. That's the job of a father. Our job is to rely on the Father to, to prune our lives so that we could bring about good fruit and understand first and foremost that in order to bear more fruit, in order to bear fruit in our lives, it has to be through Christ Jesus. And in order to bear more fruit, God has to go to work in our lives. And that's okay. That's great, actually. That's good news. That's not bad news. So the idea here is that the believer who is in the true vine is actually active in bearing fruit. And here's why, because as much as we know the truth, right, we're saved by faith alone in Christ alone. We're saved by grace, not of our own merits. But church, we're saved unto good works. And so to bear fruit in our lives is to be living out those good works. That's an, that's an expectation. And so true grace is never idle in our lives. True grace in the church should never be idle, but it should be active in pursuing God's glorification through our very lives as Christ did. Let's keep reading. Let's go to John 15, verses 3 through 6. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. So Jesus is continuing this idea. How many times does he use abide just in these uh, four verses? How many times does he talk about bearing fruit and bearing more fruit? There is an idea that he's trying to communicate. And that idea is that as believers, we are in him and he is in us. And we are completely dependent on him to be able to bear fruit unto the Father. So let's just park there for a quick minute and ask ourselves, where is your dependence for your spiritual life? What is your dependence in? Who are you dependent on? Are you dependent on your own self that you think you're so good that everything you do is perfect? Do you depend on even uh, the, the, the church to right your ship every time you're wrong? Do you depend on someone else other than Jesus Christ himself? Because the only way that we can give any fruit and bear any fruit in our lives is through this very dependence in him. And when we come to him first, Christ will take care of us because he's telling us he is the true vine. He is the true vine. You know, this past week, we were talking about the the, the project and um, one of my responsibilities here on staff currently right now is, is to oversee the building project. And so my job is to be Uh, going back and forth with the contractors, the architects, and working on, on behalf of the church to make sure this project gets done and gets done correctly. And so this past Tuesday or Thursday, we have a meeting about the calendar, about the schedule, and they say, well, here's a problem we have. And they show me a letter, and it says the lights for the sanctuary won't come in or at least won't ship until the 15th of August. And in my own strength and my own dependence, I start saying this is unacceptable. we got to find a different way. I start calling here, start calling there. I start calling this engineer, start calling that engineer. And I just started working and trying to figure out the best solution. The problem was I didn't pause to pray and depend on Christ. All I did was end up causing more confusion in the process. That's all I did. Sorry, Eddie. That is all I did. So then later on that afternoon, after talking with my wife, I just decided, you know what, let me just pray about this. And I prayed about it and, and just said, God, it's in your hands. I'm, I'm like, I'm, th- I'm throwing my hands in the air on this one. I'm depending on you. I get an email the very next morning. says, hey, Adrian, the light's shipped out this morning. We don't know why they sent the letter because they shipped out this morning. And I said, wow, that was fast. All I had to do was pray. Who, who knew? It was that easy. But it's about dependence on him. How many times have we created more and more confusion in our own lives, in our own relationships, in our own spiritual life, because we're trying to depend on ourselves? No, this is what I think. Listen to the words. This is what I think the Bible says. This is what I think Jesus means. I know he said this, but I still think this is a better way. And how many times have we created more and more confusion Problems in our lives because we haven't depended on Him. In order to be able to bear fruit in our spiritual lives, church, let's not let's get this very straight. We have to depend on Him, and if we're not abiding in Him, just remaining in that's simply what it means, remaining in Christ. Then we won't be able to experience the faithfulness of of depending on Him and seeing Him come through in our lives and producing the fruit. That will glorify the Father. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's keep reading. John chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. It says this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my what? Disciples. Did he say disciple? No, no. He said disciples, plural. We'll go back to that in a minute. Verse 9. Says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Christ, I mean, church, the next thing that we need to do is be in submission to Christ Jesus, period. Period. In order to abide in Christ, we have to submit to Christ. Well, it's very difficult to try to live a spiritual life dependent on Christ when you can't submit to Christ. Let's go back to the words and phrases we we used, right? This is, I think this is better. I know he said this, but that was, man, that was a long time ago. That's for for those generations. We're, We're like in the new technology digital age generation. This is what I believe is better. That's not, that's not submitting to Christ Jesus and his commandments. See, for a long time, church, I, I would read this and I would hear teachings on abiding in Christ. And, man, I thought it so mystical. I thought, man, I, I got to spend six hours in prayer with God. And I was never able to do that. I was so frustrated. I was, I was like, man, I'll never be able to abide in Christ because I can't spend six hours in prayer. That's, that's crazy for, my, for me and my life. I thought that that abiding in Christ at some time was 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 being uh, you know was spending so much time and in, in reading the Bible and forgetting everything else in my life. And, and reading the Bible is good and it's a part of abiding in Christ Jesus, but 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 that abiding also means that we're not just reading his word, but we're activating his word in our lives through obedience. And that submission to Christ Jesus Himself. But he doesn't say submission out of fear. He doesn't say obedience out of fear. No, he uses a word that we all love. He says, out of love, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And our love for him and obedience for him becomes parallel to his love and obedience to the Father. And he says, everyone, you guys know who I am. You know that that, that he is my Father and I am his Son. You know that I am the Messiah. You know who I am because I have obeyed every word my Father has given me. And so, too, in your lives, he says, if if you're going to give much fruit, if you're going to be a person that makes God known to the world, you have to be submitted to me and to my teachings in obedience. A few weeks ago, I gave a sermon, and I was researching some quotes for that sermon. I found one from John Piper, and he was talking about the fact how what we do when we disobey God is, is we, we lack the trust and faith in order to say, God, I believe that what you have to say and what you will do is better than what I can do and say for myself. Think about that statement. When we throw his word aside and we don't obey him, we're literally saying I can do better for myself. Let me ask this question. How many of you in here believe you can do better for yourself than God can? Yeah, I don't think anyone would say me. I don't think anyone would say that. And so that act of obedience and submission to him leads us to bearing fruit for God. But, but, but the fruit bearing for God is not human possibility. It's the work of Christ in us and through us. And again, we go back to that dependence on him. We may fail, but he won't. What we need to do is be willing vessels to continue to submit to his teachings So our abiding in Jesus, uh, like we said, should be parallel to his abiding in the Father in love. Let's keep reading John 15, verses 12 through 17. He says this. Now he even makes it more tangible. More tangible. What is abiding in Christ? Well, here you go. This is my commandment, that you love one another. As I have loved you, greater love has no one than this. That someone lay his, his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. And you want to know what it looks like to abide in Christ? It looks like a group of believers loving one another as he loved his disciples and he loved us. Church, it is impossible it is impossible to say you're abiding in Christ when you're unwilling to love one another and serve one another. See, when, when, when we come to the Christian faith, we are called to something for something. We're not called out of something. We're called to something. I think too many times in, in Christianity or in the world, we, we, we think. God to be someone who wants to take us away from the stuff we love when we're not unwilling to understand that what God really is doing is calling us toward a greater love, a greater significance, a greater purpose, a greater life in him and his son Jesus Christ through the faith of the saints and the body and community that is the church. That's what we're called to. He says that in his scripture. He says to love one another. In John chapter 13, 13 verses 34, Jesus says a new commandment he gave, which is to love one another as he had loved us previously. He has loved them. To love one another as he had loved them. And so our ability as a church to reach our community will only go as far as we love one another. Our ability to plant more churches and raise up more leaders and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ for no one's gain but for the glory of the Father will only go as far as Grace Bible Church loves one another and serves one another. Will only go as far as each of us can be committed to the very purpose of Christ Jesus and his love toward us and the gospel that saves the lives of those that need saving. It will only go as far. Our fruitfulness will only go as far as we love one another. What I love about this Sunday is this is Serve Super Sunday, Serve Sunday. Outside, there's gonna be a tent and there's ministries, and in front of you, there's little cards called Put Me in Coach. It's a little green card we're calling you to something, not from something. Some of you are going to say, I just don't have time. Remember, I don't want to call you away from anything. I want to call you to something more significant. But it's just my kids, they need all this time for school and for activities. I don't want to call you away from something. I want to call you to something greater in their lives that is God himself through your obedience of serving and being a part of the church. Abiding in Christ. And so, What I want to invite each of you to do is most of, a lot of you guys are already serving, but those of you that aren't, grab that card. Be a part of something greater than yourself. Be a part of something that's greater than making yourself feel comfortable every time you walk in the doors. You know, I think as Grace Bible Church, we do a great job of giving coffee, making things comfortable for everyone, but that's not our goal. That's not our goal, and I'm gonna make it very uncomfortable for you right now. If your goal is just to warm the seat, maybe Grace Bible Church isn't for you. This isn't about us. It's not about our kingdom. It's not about numbers. It's about discipling people to come to understand a love that's greater than self love, to come to serve a God who served us in a way that no one could to give up their time, to give up their lives, to take care of the very bride that is Christ Jesus, his church, the body which is his. We want to call you to be of something greater because we're not the ones making the call, it's Jesus. Look what he says in John chapter 15. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you these things I command you so that you will love who? One another. Jesus is calling us he chose you he appointed you to abide in him by being active in obedience by loving as he has loved us what greater love have we known than that the God of this world the creator of this world would give his throne in heaven to come to a world full of sin full of hate full of anger toward him knowing knowing that he was destined to die on the cross as a sinner yet he did it willingly and he did it for love it is this perfect love that we see in christ jesus and it's this perfect love that he calls us into to live as the church to be the church to reach the world and to bring glory to the father through our very obedience and submission to who he is by partaking in this call and saying, God, you are greater than anything else in this world, and therefore I will give to you. I will give to the church, which is the bride of your son, Jesus. I will do. I will serve. I will be that person that abides in him. Church, in this passage twice, he says, if you do this, if you abide in me, whatever you ask of the Father to be given to you. But church, don't think he's talking to the individuals. I don't think he's talking about prayers to, uh, to, to prosper my life. He's not talking about prayers to prosper your individual life. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's saying is that when the church abides in me, when the church obeys and submits to me, the church's desire will be to expand the kingdom of the gospel to glorify God in our known world. That's Laredo. And God promises that if we as a church, listen, if we as a church could abide, he will do things that are greater than you ever thought he could do. He will reach the very people you think are unreachable. He will take the light of the gospel to the very corners you thought was never possible. But we have to abide in Christ. Not for ourselves, but for the purpose of his glory purpose of the gospel, and to do do that as a church. Our heart here at Grace Bible Church, again, it's not to have numbers. Our desire and our purpose is to disciple people who love Christ, who love God, people who will submit to Christ, and people who will be the very example of Christ Jesus to our community by loving one another. Jesus said another time in the book of John that through our unity and through our love, the world would know we are his disciples. So I want to call you to something, something greater than yourselves, something even greater than your own families. I want to call you to the same calling Jesus did, to abide in him together as a community and as a church. And if you can trust God in this, watch, just watch and see the impact we can make for his kingdom and not ours. Find that card. Pray as we're we're finishing up. Seek, where can I plug in? And guys, we said this earlier in a meeting. This sermon is not because we're starting a new church or because we're opening a new building. Sorry, we're not starting a new church. It's not because we're opening a new building. It's not about that. It's about being a church who believes, who abides, and who glorifies through the name of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you that through your son Jesus, you gave us an example, a tangible example of what it means to abide and to remain in the true vine that we might bear much fruit. Father, our only prayer today that Grace Bible Church could bear much fruit for your glory, not ours. And that we could make you known through the gospel of your son, Jesus, in a community who's desperately in need of it, in need of him. We thank you and we pray this in his name.